Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free is our phone number, email com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, com. Don't forget, Exxon Nation, that this coming February 17, 18, 19th, I'm going to be the Master of Ceremonies at the Body, Soul, and Spirit Expo being held at the International Center, 6900 Airport Road in Mississauga. That's right across from Pearson International Airport in Toronto. For information on all the different locations where the people at Body, Soul, and Spirit have their expos throughout the year, visit their website at www.bodysoulspiritexpo.com. That's www.bodysoulspiritexpo.com. My guest this hour is Joseph Laycock. We're going to be talking about vampires. Uh, Joe is the author of Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. And uh, he's joining me from Virginia today. And uh, Joe, welcome back to the Exxon. Always great talking to you. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Joseph, where, where does the fascination with vampires come from? You know, there's that there's that uh, television series, uh, True Blood on TV, that my wife is addicted to. And you know what? I can't figure it out. Yeah, you know, vampires seem to come back every 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, first we had Anne Rice beginning in the 1970s, and then we had the Lost Boys in the 80s. Uh, and now, of course, we're going through another phase with uh, with Twilight and, and True Blood. So I think every generation kind of gets their own uh, uh, vampires. And vampires have become uh, a sort of a symbol of mm-hmm. alienation and being unable to fit in with uh, with society. And so I think as long as we have people that are that are feeling like they're sort of misfits, right. uh, vampires are always going to be popular. Historically, are vampires real? Well, you know, as, as an academic, right, I, I can't uh, go out and, and say that, uh, that vampires are actually real creatures that rise from the dead mm-hmm. and, uh, and drink people's blood. Uh, but the idea of vampires is, is very important and has had a lot of consequences. Um, in our in our history, right? So, um, 
you know, it, it, it used to be very, uh, very common in places in Eastern Europe and so forth that mm-hmm. the belief in vampires was a way that they sort of explained things like disease. Uh, so if, uh, if uh, a disease struck a family, it tended to wipe out each family member one by one as they got uh, uh, infected. And so the idea that someone was sort of rising from the grave every night and picking a new family member to, to prey on would be an explanation of that. Um, but you, you don't see many cases historically of people that say they actually saw vampire feeding, right? So where, where does the myth and the legend come from then? Well, you know, there's, there's a couple different explanations. Um, psychologists um, have been very interested in that there does seem to be this kind of universal belief in an undead creature that, that drinks blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so people like Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, um, who are these famous psychologists, believe that you know, there's something about the, the human mind that causes people to, um, uh, to come up with these ideas, and they had kind of different theories uh, about how this might have happened. Um, historically, the, the origins of the vampire are so old that they are kind of lost to history. Um, Eastern Europe, unfortunately, has been um, sort of Grand Central Station. We've had all sorts of uh, different people from all over the world uh, moving through that part of, of Europe. Uh, so we don't know which one of them uh, could have spread this idea of, of, of vampires. So one theory is that vampires come from Persia, where you have the religion of Zoroastrianism, where there is a god of good associated with the sun uh, and a god of evil associated with darkness. Um, other theories are that vampires could be Tibetan in origin. When Tibet, we find these statues of, you know, um, wrathful gods who drink blood and have fangs uh, that could have been spread into Eastern Europe by groups like the Mongols. So uh, we, we really don't know, but vampires seem to be very, very old. All right, stand by, please, Joe. You and I have to take our our first commercial break. Exonation. Nation, Joseph Laycock is our special guest. His website, people.bu.edu forward slash J-L-A-Y. Or you just go to your Google and type in Joseph Laycock. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break talking about vampires here in the Exxon. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. 
call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. We all desire health, happiness, and fulfillment, but often get in our own way. Repeated patterns that leave us out of control can keep us feeling powerless, frustrated, and unable to move forward in spite of our best efforts. Unconscious patterning disconnects us from our gifts, often destroying the very thing we seek. But there is an answer. We can take charge of our destiny and heal the trauma of our history. Shamanism is an effective ancient modality that can reconnect us with our true selves, empower the creation of our dreams, and return us to health and balance. Cody Alexander is a certified shamanic practitioner and teacher with 11 years experience. Email healingpathways33 at gmail.com or visit codyalexander.net to schedule a long-distance shamanic session today. Exonation Joseph Laycock is our special guest. He's the author of Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampires. And uh, Joseph, before we went to the commercial break, I asked you where the where the legends came from and you were giving us some examples. And and uh, you know, it seems that vampires also fall into the critique or the or the way that people look at God and Satan, you know, the God being the light and Satan being the dark or God being the positive and Satan being the negative. Were these all ways that early humans could try to explain what was happening in their very limited world? Yeah, the the, the idea of vampires does seem to be older than Christianity. So we found um, mm. we found tombs from basically the the Stone Age and the early Bronze Age, where you know bricks have been piled on top of the corpse, and we think that this was done just to make sure that the corpse didn't get up again, right? That it, that it stayed mm-hmm. dead or it, or it stayed where it was. Uh, and then there's evidence that when the Orthodox Church came into Eastern Europe and began uh, converting uh, pagan groups, that this fear that there were sort of creatures in the night that would drink your blood became part of a Christian worldview, right? Where, where anything mm-hmm. uh, dark and dangerous is, uh, is um, sort of on the side of Satan, Anything that can protect you from that is on the side of of, of God, uh, and so this sort of good versus evil um, mythology, the vampire, uh, continued really all the way up until um, the modern era when you begin to see the first sympathetic vampires, vampires that aren't evil; they're just misunderstood. Once again, we were talking about uh, the television shows uh, True Blood, uh, which is one of the ones that comes to mind, uh, like I said, my, my wife is addicted to that show. Um, and and I also know that in major metropolis areas, and maybe even in small-town America, there are groups that like to pretend that they're vampires. And I was wondering if you did any studying into these people and why they do what they do. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of an expert on this. So my book, uh, Vampires Today: The Truth About Modern Vampirism, uh, is is based on my time with the Atlanta Vampire Alliance, uh, and this is a group of self-identified vampires mm-hmm. uh, living in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and the surrounding areas. And uh, yes, there are indeed um, you know thousands and, and and possibly even 
tens of thousands of, of individuals that identify as, as vampires uh, living throughout North America and, and throughout the world. Uh, most of them don't actually drink blood. Uh, a high percentage of them are what are called psychic vampires, and they say they feed off of sort of the, the energy of, uh, of other people. Um, and, and if you actually meet these people, they are surprisingly normal people. Um, we have this sort of image of, of anyone that would participate in this behavior must be uh, mentally ill. Uh, and what I found is that they, they don't seem to be mentally ill. They seem to be rational and critical of themselves and, and ask themselves, you know, I'm drinking blood. Am I crazy to do this? How can I do this uh, uh, safely and, and so forth? So it's an extremely uh, misunderstood uh, group, and this is what I talk about in the book. Do you mean they actually do drink blood? Yes, a percentage of them identify as what's called sanguinarian vampires, uh, and they do consume uh, human blood. Uh, usually, these are very small amounts of of blood, so not you know biting someone on the on the neck like you would see in a, in True Blood or mm-hmm. in, a, in a Hollywood film. Uh, but usually, they will find a, a donor, someone who will let them drink a little bit of their blood. And then the most common way to extract the blood is they will go to a uh, you know a pharmacy and get the the needles for diabetics who need to test their blood. And this is sterile, and this will make a few uh, pinpricks of blood, and, and most vampires say that's, that's really all they need. Why do they drink blood? Well, most uh, sanguinarian vampires would say that this is a health need, that for whatever reason, uh, if they go without blood, that they, they deteriorate uh, mentally, physically, and, and spiritually. And this can range from things like having nightmares to feeling distracted and having kind of uh, upset, you know, uh, um, um, uh, ADHD symptoms uh, and so on. And for whatever reason, they say, as long as I, as long as I periodically drink human blood, uh, this all goes away and I feel much better and I feel, feel sort of uh, more alert. Um, as to why they have this, um, if it's psychological or if there's something unique about them where that drinking blood actually benefits them, and we don't have any evidence for this one way or the other. I, I was just going to ask you if there's any medical uh, reasoning behind it, but uh, as, you, as you just said, there's no reasoning behind it. How safe is it in today's society for these people to drink another person's blood? Well, uh, you know, they, they'll be the first to tell you this is, this is inherently risky behavior. Yeah. Uh, and so um even even people that are consuming blood in this community will say you know if you're not 18 or you're not 21 or whatever you shouldn't be doing this because it's dangerous and they can reduce the risk um by having their uh partner tested um for sexually transmitted diseases uh and so far that that you know seems to be working obviously you can tell if if they have you know the HIV virus mm-hmm. or or something like that uh, but there is a concern that there could be other diseases that are transmitted through drinking blood uh, that we don't know about, right? Because uh, medical science is not prepared for this as a way for diseases to spread. Most people don't drink each other's blood. Um, so there's always some concern that this could still be um, unsafe. Is there a risk of a person who enjoys drinking human blood that the next step is cannibalism? Uh, I mean, sure, right? There, there hasn't been... Um, I don't think there's been a case of that in the real vampire uh, community. Uh, this is a community that actually uh, polices itself. So if if they are aware of someone that has been, you know, making jokes about eating their neighbor or eating their dog right. or, or something like this on the internet, 
they will they will monitor that person and make sure that they uh, that they don't do anything foolish. Um, but there are always people that uh, end up in the news that seem to be genuinely mentally ill and are, are breaking the law. And just last month, there was a 19-year-old uh, in Galveston, Texas, who broke into a woman's home and bit her on the neck. Um, so, so these things do still happen. True Blood on TV, vampires, werewolves. Uh, what do the members of the real vampire community say about this uh, this TV show? Does this give them a bum rap, or does it w- raise awareness to the existence of their neighborhood? I, you know, it's very interesting, because I was doing my research uh, in the South, which mm-hmm. obviously is where True Blood is, is set. Atlanta yeah. is part of the, the Bible Belt. Uh, and and the show True Blood did often seem to have sort of remarkable similarities to the actual vampires that I was interviewing uh, in Atlanta. And these were individuals that were trying to prove, you know, that, that vampires are basically ordinary people, that you shouldn't be afraid if your neighbor is a vampire, uh, and so forth. But at the same time, I met people who, you know, they were kicked out of their church if people found out they were a vampire, or could lose their job if people found out they were a vampire. So the issues depicted on the show, mm-hmm. um, I think, actually are, are, are various, uh, very serious issues. Um, so I think that, um, you know, True Blood is seen as maybe just as entertainment by this community, but, but still as one of the better representations of, of, of vampires that's out there. Exonation, our guest this hour is Joseph Laycock. He's the author of Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. Why did you write this book? Well, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a scholar of religion, yeah. and I, I gave this uh, paper at a religion conference uh, because most people, when they hear about this, assume, well, if you're drinking blood, that's a cult phenomenon, mm-hmm. right? Vampires are uh, a cult, and they're probably affiliated with Satanism and other sort of dark religious uh, movements. Uh, and what I argued was that this isn't really true, right? That there are vampires who are Satanists, but there are also vampires who are Jews and Muslims and Christians and, and, and atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is probably not the best way to, to think about it as a religious cult. Uh, and then Prager asked me if I would write a book. And uh, so when you, when you write a book, you know, you write a pitch for, for you know, what you want to talk about yeah. and who would read it and so forth. And they said, well, this isn't a very good pitch because you didn't say anything about Twilight. And I said, what's Twilight? And then I realized that, you know, 2009 was going to be sort of a big year for, for vampires. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how the book got written. How did your book change your beliefs? Was there anything that happened during the, the, the workings of your book that, that, that shook your very basis of belief? Well, there's two things about that. So first of all, um, you know, this is this is very much about identity mm-hmm. and how people define themselves. So the people that I was interviewing define themselves as as vampires, and so after working with them, I began to think of myself in a way that I didn't think of myself before, which is I now think of myself as a non-vampire. And right? I didn't. So my identity changed somewhat as a result of encountering this this other group of people. Uh, but I also wanted to try as, as best I could to understand what the world looks like to them. And I'll never know what the world looks like to, to a real vampire. I'll never know what it feels like to want to drink human blood uh, and so mm-hmm. forth. But that, you know, most of this community believes that there is um, energy, um, which, which all living things have. And so I went to do energy workshops with them to try and see 
if I could, you know, feel or touch um, this energy. Uh, and when I did this, I found that I actually did get um, sensations kind of in my, my palms and in my in my fingertips, right? And I don't know what that was, right? So it very well could have been uh, the energy that, that vampires are, are always talking about. So I describe these experiences in the book. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Joseph, thanks very much for being with us tonight. Exo Nation, our special guest this hour is Joseph Laycock. He's the author of Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. And if you'd like to find out more about Joseph, it's very simple. Go to your favorite search engine, type in Joseph Laycock, comma, vampires, and all the information that you'll ever need is right there. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with Joseph Laycock as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035 is worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com and our website, com. We'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. And welcome back, everyone. We're talking about vampires this hour here in the Exxon with our special guest and author, Joseph Laycock. He's the author of 
Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. Uh, Joseph, where can our listeners get a copy of your of your book? Uh, the easiest way to get it is just to go on Amazon. Um, there's probably uh, still a few copies on mm-hmm. there. Uh, and you can also ask your local library to purchase a copy. Um, Prager sells primarily to, to libraries, so it's yes. a little bit pricey. Uh, but if you if you order a copy for your library, then then you can read it, and others can read it as well. Excellent. How does one come to the conclusion that they're a vampire? Well, vampires call this process awakening, and there's there is a debate as to whether you can become a vampire or if it's something that you are kind of uh, born with. Mm-hmm. And the majority of of self-identified vampires say basically that you have to be born one. Uh, and, and so every vampire that I've spoke with has described kind of a, um, a series of sort of um, unusual experiences that they had, usually beginning in their teens. And then when they finally figure out, you know, usually through speaking with vampires on the Internet or vampires that they've met, that this is, um, you know, that this is a, this is a, a way of uh, identifying then a sort of light bulb goes off, and they say, aha, this is, this is why all these strange things have happened to me, because I'm not a normal person like everybody else, because I'm a vampire. All right, so a person believes they're a vampire. Uh, it, so what separates the people who are vampires from being a member of a cult? What's the difference here? Well, you know, this term cult is extremely problematic, right? Because we, we use this to describe a religious group, basically, that we don't like or that we think is, is strange, and mm-hmm. it implies all sorts of things about them, like that they're violent or that they're um, psychologically unhealthy uh, and so forth. So cult is, is usually not uh, a very useful or accurate term to, to describe things. Um, but cult is a, you know... a, a uh, being a, a vampire is different from your religious identity. Uh, so most of the vampires that I've met um, say vampirism is not a religion. You know, my religion is you know Baptist or, or Catholic or, or whatever. Um, having said that, there are a few vampire religions out there. There are organizations you can find on the internet with names like the Temple of the Vampire uh, and so forth. Uh, but these are a very tiny percentage of the overall vampire uh, community. Most vampires that I've met um, don't like the idea of being in a cult any more than you or I would. So is it safe to say that vampirism has flourished with the introduction of the of the Internet worldwide? Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, the, the Internet has made it much easier for uh, vampires or people that want to meet vampires mm-hmm. to, to find each other. Uh, and so before the Internet, there were things like... Uh, zines, you know, little um, little magazines that people make with a, with a copier machine, or vampires would even find places to meet, like uh, conventions for, for horror movies and so forth. So it used to be very difficult for vampires to meet each other, and now it's, it's quite easy. Hmm. Now, as I understand it, a vampire really isn't... Well, how do they live forever? You know, where does this... This this idea that they live for thousands of years come from, and don't they have to die and then be resurrected, uh, sort of, before they can actually be a vampire? Sure, right. So there's there's an important difference here, right, between the so-called real vampires, mm-hmm. who basically admit, you know, we are we are human beings, we're mortal people, um, but we have this sort of strange, you know problem, whether it's medical or, or what have you, right. with the need to drink blood. And we call ourselves vampires because that's the easiest way to, to explain it. 
So it's, we're not like, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, who is this thousand-year-old, you know, warlord from, uh, from Transylvania. Um, but some vampires do believe that they have a form of immortality through reincarnation. Right? And I think that even though they're going to go get old and die like everyone else, mm-hmm. that being a vampire will sort of give them kind of a leg up on their next uh, lifetime, and that when they are uh, when they're reborn as a new person, that they'll have more of their their memories, and will kind of be able to take more with them, uh, and will be uh, will be reincarnated as another person who was also uh, a real vampire. Is there a connection between vampirism and the goth uh, groups that we've seen around? Yeah, yeah, there is, um, and there's actually some antagonism between these groups uh, because goths don't want people seeing the way they dress and assuming that they drink blood, uh, and real vampires don't like you know being associated with the style of dress. Um, so there are there are certainly real vampires that um, dress very conservatively, or you know will dress like a hippie or like a jock or, or whatever. They don't all wear the um, you know, the, the black eyeliner and so forth that we associate with, uh, with goth culture. Mm-hmm. But even though there's this antagonism between the two groups, the fact is there's a lot of people that belong to both groups, right? So there's a lot of people that like the goth culture and then also identify as, as a vampire. If we're accepting that there's vampires in today's society, to the best of your knowledge, doing the research that you did, are there also werewolves? Yes, there are. Um, I have not um, met any werewolves personally. I've, I've interviewed them um, through the Internet and, and, and through email and, and things like that. Um, werewolves uh, tend to, to identify with the name Therians, right? Therian is a Greek word meaning the beast. And similar to vampires, they believe that they have this kind of connection to an animal. That's usually a wolf, but there are people that sort of think of themselves as, you know, werecats mm-hmm. and, and, and what have you. I think the strangest thing I've heard of is someone that identifies as an earwig. They think they, they look human, but, but deep down they sort of feel like an, an earwig. Uh-huh. Um, so usually these therians will say they cannot actually physically turn into animals, um, but that at certain times of, of um, you know, of, of the day or of the month or, or what mm-hmm. have you, that they feel kind of a closer connection to their sort of animal uh, persona. Um, the belief that a silver bullet will kill a vampire or a wooden stake through the heart will kill a vampire, where did these legends come from? Well, that's, that's very interesting. You know, in, um, in the, the places of the world where our idea of vampires come from, mm-hmm. which includes Romania, uh, Greece, uh, Russia, um, parts of Austria, and so forth, you know, every village would have a different way of killing a vampire. And usually you wouldn't do it yourself. Usually you would have an expert um, who would come in and basically say, you know, the, what's the problem in this town? Is your, is your cow not giving milk? Have you been having bad weather? Well, it's a vampire, but don't worry, folks. I'm a genuine vampire slayer, and I know just what to do. Uh, and then Bram Stoker, when he was doing his research, kind of consolidated all of this lore into his book, Dracula, and that became the, the standard. Uh, so, of course, in Dracula, we have uh, the wooden stake, mm-hmm. we have garlic, we have silver, and these kind of became the basis of uh, all modern vampire stories. So it seems that a vampire killer would be the equal to a paranormal exorcist. 
That's exactly right. And usually, you know, you were you were not just uh, you know you couldn't just go to school to be a vampire mm-hmm. slayer. Uh, usually, the vampire slayer well, this was something you had to be born into uh, as well. So, in parts of Russia, for instance, if you were born on a Saturday, you would be what's called a sabotnik, and a sabotnik had the power both to see vampires when they were invisible and also to to slay them. Uh, and so shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer are actually um, very accurate in, in portraying this as something that you don't, it's not a job you choose, the job chooses you. What was it like working with various members of the Atlanta Vampire Alliance? Well, as I said, you know, these are, these are surprisingly uh, normal people. Um, and, and the Atlanta Vampire Alliance in particular uh, is a vampire group that's very interested in being taken seriously and attracting serious uh, medical and scientific research for vampires. Uh, but there are all kinds of vampire groups all over the country uh, with different interests. Um, and so some of them are very interested into sort of uh, esotericism mm-hmm. and the supernatural, and they have all kinds of uh, rituals and things that outsiders are not allowed to know about. Uh, and some of them are very social and have these huge... Um, you know, gothic parties in places like New York and, and, and Los Angeles. So it's a big community. You shouldn't stereotype uh, uh, real vampires. They come in all different uh, uh, shapes and sizes. Going back to 1966, there was a reporter by the name of Susan Walsh who disappeared. Did the vampires get her? Right, yeah. So that was in the, in the 90s. Um, Susan Walsh had been doing a report on uh, the vampire community mm-hmm. in New York, yeah. which is a pretty big community, and at that time was, was mostly underground and, and, and hard to find. Uh, she disappeared, and of course it made a very good story that she had basically found out too much about vampires and had been sort of silenced. Uh, and there are even a few vampires in New York that kind of uh, uh, you know, like to endorse this rumor. I don't think that's what really happened. Uh, another project that she was working on at the same time as the vampires was she was writing on the Russian mafia in New York, and she had named specific members of the Russian mafia in her articles. So if she disappeared, I, I really think the people to look at is the Russian people mob. organized crime, and exactly. not, uh, not some young people who identify as vampires. The name Rod Farrell came up. Who is Rod Farrell? Yes, Rod Farrell uh, in 1996... Um, was a was a teenager and uh, had a group of self-identified vampires in Kentucky. Um, they drove uh, from Kentucky to visit an ex-girlfriend in Florida, mm-hmm. um, at which point Rod killed um, the, the girlfriend's uh, parents, and, and then the group drove from there to New Orleans, where they were eventually uh, arrested. Uh, and so at the time, this caused a huge panic um, that... that you know, all these teenagers were going to read Anne Rice and were going to go out and, and kill people. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like Rod actually um, was, was having a lot of problems with drug addiction and some very serious uh, abuse uh, oh, in gosh. his home life. Uh, but I was recently interviewed by MSNBC, who has gone back and looked at this case, uh, and they've interviewed Rod uh, in prison. He's now 30 and still identifies as a vampire, although he expresses profound remorse for, for what he did in 1986. How hard is it for a member of a vampire community to be outed by the other members of the community? Yeah, you know, I've, I've encountered stories of this, of this happening. Usually it's not members of, of the community. Usually um, what will happen is they, 
do an interview with a newspaper or or a television station or something like that, and there are enough clues in the interview that the community can figure out who the vampire is. Uh, and in most cases, this has been, um, you know, at, at best embarrassing for the vampire who is outed, and at worst, uh, a disaster. Um, so particularly in the South, um, I've, I've heard of people, um, you know, losing their job or being demoted because they're outed as a vampire or, you know, being kicked out of their, out of their church or having their children withdraw from, um, you know, from school and, yeah. and things like this. So it's a big deal to be outed as a vampire. Joseph, as a, as a, a member of academia who has studied vampirism, why do you think it's so important for today's society to have a better understanding of vampires? Well, that's a, that's a great question. You know, we, we live in a democracy. A democracy means uh, trying to find a way to accommodate as many different types of people uh, as we can. So we don't have to like vampires, uh, but they're, they're here living with us, um, you know, whether we, we like them or not. And so we need to understand them, and we need to figure out a way that we can all live together. It's that simple. When you were doing your investigation uh, and the research for your book, did you ever feel at any time that you were at risk, that your safety was in question? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. Uh, I personally did not, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one is that I'm, you know, I'm kind of a big guy. Uh, I'm, I'm six feet, 200 pounds, and, and so people um, interact with me differently. Um, but I have read accounts from uh, uh Female reporters who have basically done their research in, um, you know, goth clubs and things like this, and have had encounters that they considered to be frightening, right? Where they felt intimidated. Um, the other factor is that I was not doing much of my research in uh, clubs. I wasn't trying to capture some sort of, um, you know, uh, exciting mm-hmm. story about vampires. I wanted to see what vampires are really like. Uh, and so most of the most of the time that I was observing the Atlanta Vampire Alliance. They were doing pretty mundane uh, activities, right? So talking about data they had collected or, or what their next project was going to be. And that's just not very uh, uh, intimidating. All right, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. Exonation, our guest this hour, a very interesting hour on vampires. Joseph Laycock is our special guest. He is the author of Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. 
Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. And welcome back, everyone. Joseph Laycock is our special guest to this hour. We've been talking about vampires. He's the author about Vampires Today, the truth about modern vampirism. First of all, Joseph, thanks very much for joining us. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Um, one quick question. what What's it like within a vampire community? Do they have regular meetings? Do they, um, do they congregate? And when they do congregate, get together, what do they do? Well... The Atlanta Vampire Alliance did a survey of about a thousand vampires, mm-hmm. uh, and so based on that data, which you can go and find online if you Google Atlanta Vampire Alliance, uh, we know that the, the majority of vampires are solitary. That they uh, that they interact with other vampires usually only online or or maybe not even at all. Uh, and then when you do have these vampire groups, they usually identify as they call themselves houses uh, or sometimes orders. Uh, and some of them are, are purely social, and they have um, you know social gatherings, and often mm-hmm. these are kind of you know gothic, or they'll, they'll go to a club, or they'll have a party, or something like that. Um, and some of them are, are sort of more esoteric, um, and will focus on these sort of supernatural and esoteric uh, traditions, similar to maybe the Freemasons or groups like that. And then you have groups like the Atlanta Vampire Alliance that are almost more like a political group and are interested in creating better understanding of, of, of vampires. So it's, there's lots of different kinds of, of groups, and it just depends on where you go. What can society do, or how can society best learn about vampires? And, and does society have anything to worry about? Well, I don't think society has anything to, to worry about. There have been attempts to make stricter laws mm-hmm. about drinking human blood and, and things like this. Um, I don't think that, I think the laws that we have now are fine, right? So you can't assault people, you can't murder people, and so forth. Um, but I think eventually we're going to have to decide um, whether vampirism is a cult or a religion, as has, yeah. as has been claimed, uh, whether it's a mental illness, as has been claimed, or whether it's something else, right? And I argue very strongly in my book that it's something else, right? We need some other category uh, to think about what it means to, to be a vampire. If they're not crazy and it's not a, a religion. Uh, and unfortunately, I think this decision is going to be made in, in court someday, right? There's going to be yeah. a, uh, a lawsuit that's going to result in, in just answering this question. 
Is any member of the medical community or scientific community actually looking into this very important question? Yes, there, there have been a few kind of token um, um, experiments and, uh, done by, by medical scientists, but they don't really know what to look for. So, you know, they've, they've taken blood samples from mm-hmm. vampires and they found, you know, normal levels of red blood cells versus white blood cells uh, and, and so forth. But uh, I think vampires would really like kind of more extensive research to be done to really see if there's anything medically uh, different about them. Joseph, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. Once again, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can get your book. Yeah, the easiest way to find me and to, to find my book is, is just to go onto Google and type in Joseph Laycock. Uh, and the same thing for the book. Just Google the book. It's Vampires Today, The Truth About Modern Vampirism. It's that easy, Exonation. Joseph, take care of yourself. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, thanks for having me, Rob. Bye-bye, sir. Joseph Laycock has been my guest. He's the author of... Vampires Today, the truth about modern vampirism. There you go. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.